Hello, everybody! Open this up in our headphones, Charles. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Turning it up. <laughs> you threw him off his rhythm. <laughs> no, this is exciting. He's got a strict routine. <laughs> I'm happy to throw it off the routine for for chills. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles. With me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friends, Charles. Yes, Dylan says friends today, the plural, because we have the honor, the privilege to be joined with someone who... We met a long time back, early in the mm-hmm. show's history. We've had the privilege of being able to touch base with him through email, then through Twitter. Now he has become a... Petitions. Pro- petitions have been involved. We have a prolific, prolific reader and book reviewer on our hands with Benjamin from Literature in Lo-Fi. Benjamin, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's good to be here. <laughs> Benjamin, we're so happy to have you. Before we get too far into this, this is a book recommendations from Benjamin at Literature and Lo-Fi. But before we get into that, would you like to take just a quick moment to introduce yourselves to everybody? Yeah, sure. So I'm um, basically a book blogger from the UK and uh, a longtime listener of the show. <laughs> huge, huge fan. And yeah, I'm oh. just constantly ready to ch- chase Charles's tale and uh, remind him <laughs> of what books he needs to read. Yes, I think it's important that <laughs> listeners need to know, like, this is the first time they're hearing Benjamin, but his presence has been felt throughout the show's history. He's spearheaded mm. a couple campaigns o- over the past year. The one of the one of the ones that has affected me most directly is the, the one to make <laughs> Charles read uh, Lies of Locke Lamora, which I will do, Benjamin. It's coming. You know, we've had exchanges over the past year of that weird. That's going to happen. And then he's also really pushing uh, the hashtag. Uh, is it? I want to get it right. What's the hashtag? Is it Indie August? Is that the right one? Uh, that's correct. It's it's not getting as much ground as the uh, Charles must need <laughs> at Lysa Longlamora hashtag, but it's definitely uh, getting there. Well, and, you, know, uh, the- you know, we're a day away. We're a day away. <laughs> and you, Benjamin has been uh, really, I think he hit a really great, avenue on twitter just with this indie august campaign and it's gotten us reaching out to get all these different indie author recommendations and i'm sure between the three of us and many more people on the book community over on twitter you'll be hearing a lot more about that but man benjamin i can't believe we're actually talking on the show this is so much fun (laughs) (laughs) i never thought this would happen uh but it's it's brilliant to be here I think it's a dream come true in a way. Oh, oh that's yeah, too much, yeah. too much honor, too much mm-hmm. honor. I know D- Dylan and I have, I think we've known for a long time that you're definitely coming on when we read uh, <laughs> Lies of Locke Lamora, but I don't think we could wait that long. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I couldn't wait that long either. <laughs> so all of yeah. us just like, we need to come on and talk about something. And in the past, like, I, has it been a year? But certainly you, you've, You've been putting up these like TBR schedules and you've stuck with them and you've just been reading like multiple books a week. It's coming up on now. It feels like you're yeah. reading at such a lightning fast pace. So everyone listening at home, like when when Benjamin is dropping these wrecks, keep that in mind that this guy's been reading a lot of fantasy lately. So <laughs> I would take his reviews very seriously and I know I will as well. <laughs> 
I was going to say, even my holiday is dedicated to reading more fantasy. <laughs> There's no rest whatsoever. <laughs> it, it must no be. Rest for the wicked, Ben. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know. You're already on book 11 of Wheel of Time. It feels like you started it like not that long ago. You started it after we started it, and we're on like book no, four. No, so then that's the weird no, thing. I, I read the yeah. first book. <laughs> probably when you guys first started doing your podcasts Mm -hmm. and then I just left it and it wasn't until this year I picked up the great hunt and it was just like greeting old friends again with the characters and I was like okay Mm. I'm in this for the long haul I didn't realize this book even had that effect on me until the second book but (laughs) then I got carried away we were keeping pace almost with you for a little bit there, Ben. There was a point where we would like had almost caught up. We were one book away from you. And then I go back on Twitter and I'm like, did she just say book 11? It's like, what? Yeah, you left us in the dust, mate. How are you? Those are freaking thousand plus page books, a lot of them, right? And you're yeah. just yeah. grinding through them. I've been very, very impressed. I don't know how you were reading that much but you are finding a way and we're very very impressed and we love following your reviews and getting a sense of what's ahead of us with wheel of time and then all these other i mean so many different books ranging from these indies that you've been checking out and supporting that community as well as uh, we got you reading a little bit of joe abercrombie which is nice you're reading some yes uh, kwong's work which we love i see the dragon republic in the mix it's just great to have someone on who listens to recommendations given to them and also provides recommendations with the hope that, you know, someone like Charles might listen to them. So it's a two-way we're just street, honored it, to have right? you on. It should be, you would think. It, it should it'd be. be a two-way street. Yeah, um, yeah. But. <laughs> no, but ben, ben, I, I admire the work Benjamin's doing on Twitter and Goodreads so much. Just constantly, I feel like he's just slam dunking on us because it's like, oh, yeah. I'll read Lies of Lacamora when you read Joe Abercrombie. And he's like, okay, he's like read the whole trilogy already. Already, I'm like, or the first two books anyway. I'm like, with the third trilogy scheduled, I'm like, oh man, <laughs> okay. Well, he put up, and now I have to show up. So, <laughs> like, one of these days we'll get to it, Benjamin. I promise. But for now, I have a feeling you're gonna add so many more books to our to our TBR. Uh, he, he's Benjamin has kept these wrecks a secret from me, so I'm very excited mm. to see what he's got cooking up. I'm sure it's going to be excellent. So, uh, Ben, whenever you're ready, hit us with one of these wrecks. Let's get into it. Yeah, sure. So um, my first recommendation is going to be uh, Jade City by Funda Lee. Don't know if that's mm. one you've heard of or not. No. Yeah. Uh, on the TBR for me, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Well, it's it's a great urban fantasy, which is, um, it's got like a mafiosa, yakuza kind of vibe to it. Mm. So if you're a fan of uh, films like The Godfather, it, it might be mm. a book for you, especially if you're a fantasy fan. Mm. And yeah, I, I read that book. It's a slow burner, but it just picks picks up and picks up and I was hooked. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I love a good uh, gangster. Is, is it like a there's like a mafia involved? Is that why you um, connected it to Godfather? Well, yeah, absolutely. So it's about two warring clans and uh, they're, they're fighting over this island. And it's a very contained story because it's based on this island. Wow. And we follow the Cull family and they're fighting against the Mountain Clan and Initially, there was one clan on this island, but they split apart and the Cole family started leading this new uh, gang against them. And you, you follow this territory war and you, you follow every single member of the Cole family and they're just all completely different. And J- 
Fonda Lee just throws no punches whatsoever. She, she doesn't hold back at all. It's it's quite terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I love, see, I, I'm not afraid of, I, I love when books like go all in on some of those like more terrifying elements that you're describing. And a contained story as well is very appealing to me because I love epic fantasy, but sometimes it's just like when you strip it down and you're really in the moment, it almost makes it like more exciting. Yeah, totally. And that, that, that's it. And d- these family members, which you follow, um, they all kind of want different things in life as well. So one of them is like, I am the godfather. I'm, I'm going to, you know, li- lead this clan to victory on the island. We're, we're going to eventually, you know, dominate, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you almost have like a wild card. And I, I don't know if we know any wild cards on this uh, fancy podcast. <laughs> You People must like mean Charles, in, uh, of course. Elements, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Charles. totally, definitely Charles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but no, um, Hilo is just a reckless character, and he's essentially the fist for, for the clan. And he he gets involved in all the street fights, the turf wars, that kind of thing. Ooh. And then there's also kind of a character in the background who does the opposite, so runs the office and does all the strategy. Mm. So. A little ah, bit of a team-up, so to speak. Something you guys probably relate to. <laughs> yes, I like it. and the reason this one... So I've had this one recommended to me before, and people recommend it to me because they know my counseling psychology, like that yes. counseling psychology, and they know that it, this family drama aspect of it would appeal to me. And it's very, <laughs> I hear very, very psychological, and I love these ideas of these characters with some sort of family legacy element, it sounds like, to them some desire to be able to hold that up while also trying to carve out their own paths and the psychological and interpersonal conflict elements of those uh, within a family context is so cool and interesting to me. I've heard amazing things about the characters, Ben. Was that your experience, like really strong characters and psychological? 100%. It's, it's, It's all the characters for me. And uh, what one in particular, Shay, who's the daughter in this family, she she actually runs away and comes back. Mm. And she, she's like, I'm not going to get involved in this. I'm not going to get pulled into this. And unfortunately, her two brothers are like, you're too good to sit on the sidelines. You, you, you know, you, you're mm. so much more capable. Let, let's see what you can actually do. And you, you can kind of see this confliction in her. She, part of her really wants to just run away and never be involved with him again. And the other half is bound to the family. She, she knows that she's capable of leading them and sorting out the situation which is going on. Mm-hmm. And it, it takes a big twist in the book, really, to actually start getting her involved in the story. That sounds wow. awesome. Yeah. And it won the World Fantasy Award in 2018, I yes, believe. It did. So that's, yeah, so that's a, another... Uh, Feather in its cap, that's an expression, right? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> thanks. So. Yeah, so I this one, I love, I think you're starting off really strong with it. I've heard good things about the magic system too, Ben. Yeah. I don't know how long yeah. it's been since you read it or about it. No, yeah, so the, the, the strong magic about system, that one? It, it runs through um, a source known as Jade, so essentially the stone. And they're, they're capable of doing extraordinary feats when they channel Jade, and it's one of those mm. things where the more of it they have, the more powerful they are. But mm. the best bit about it, and you'll probably like this too, is that Jade's perceived like a drug. Um, oh, yeah. So the more you have it, the more intoxicated you are, the, the more you feel the burden of it. And it leads to some very interesting developments down the line. Mm. 
That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes. I love it. So no, 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 it's cool. It's cool. I, so I think it reminds me of one of Sanderson's laws of magic that he's talked about is this, that like limitations and weaknesses are more interesting than strengths. Yes. And I love the idea of a drug-based magic system. We know that there's elements of that in, not surprisingly, the Poppy War as well. <laughs> uh, and it actually, Fonda Lee is one of the people that I, I believe on, I don't know if it's on the cover or, what, or back cover of uh, the Poppy War. I've got them behind me over there. Er, gave very kind words to one of our favorite trilogies, the Poppy War trilogy. So, mm, I mean, hearing all of these, yeah, hearing these, uh, overlaps in story, hearing like character-based stuff, an awesome magic system with limitations like addiction to a drug. I mean, Ben, you're coming in hot here, and I'm, I'm loving it. I, I think this is like it's, it's go big or go is, home, isn't it? Really, it is. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, Benjamin came in real strong. It's like this is the thing we we bring people on, and I feel like Benjamin specifically, just because we've been communicating for so long, I feel like he just gets us so well and with the poppy war recommendation it's like oh man just another another burden on the tbr that we happily bear benjamin <laughs> it's, it's 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 definitely our, our tastes do align quite well and uh mm. I, I thought quite thoroughly about what i wanted to pick out for you guys and <laughs> yeah jade city and jade war is a no-brainer for you especially the second book because like i said the, the first book they're based on this island but the second book then you have the world and it just gets even juicier Ooh. I love a good some some juice. Good juice. I like that word. <laughs> I always say I'm meat on the bones for some now. reason. <laughs> 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 well, that is an exciting one. That's Jade City by Fonda Ree. Benjamin coming in hot here with his book recommendations. Benjamin, let's let's get another reckon. I'm so excited to hear what you've got. Yeah, sure. So uh, the the next choice I'll give you is an indie book. Um, it's an author that I shout out a lot about on Twitter mm-hmm. and it's um, the Mortal Technique series by mm-hmm. Rob J. Hayes. J. Hayes. So yeah. we're talking Never Die and Pawn's Gambit yeah. and he's just released stunning artwork <laughs> for his next book. It looks incredible. Yeah. Um, We've had some fun exchanges with <laughs> Rob J. Hayes on Twitter. Charles, he, he was, remember? Uh, yeah, I keep, I always keep thinking about, like, it now as Prawn's yeah, Gambit because Prawn's of Gambit, that. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I said that to him at some point, and he's such an interesting creative person. He ends up photoshopping shrimp onto the heads of all the characters on Prawn's Gambit, the book cover. And I was like, how are we doing this with this fifth book champion who's like having this much fun? So, super, super nice person from our interaction yeah and rob of the haze right he's constantly dropping book recommendations on our twitter polls and stuff he seems like a really awesome guy and i and it's just a tragedy that i haven't read any of his work yet he's been so supportive and 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 such a great communicator in the twitter space (laughs) (laughs) well well another reason i picked it because um i knew how much you two loved the puppy war and i don't know how much of the uh eastern influences really enriched that experience for you guys but for mm. me, you know, it's a completely different setting to what you normally get in fantasy. Yes. We're so familiar mm-hmm. with the medieval fantasy um, era. And yeah, so we're, we're sort of projected into a Chinese setting. And this character is brought back from the dead by a young boy called Ayn. And it, it just skyrockets from there. She, basically, Ayn wants to recruit an entire team of warriors um, to go and assassinate the emperor. And it's almost like a Mistborn crew coming together 
mm. to overthrow the Dark Lord. Mm. Uh, it's yeah, it's just such an interesting story. I like that this idea of like the poppy war meeting like a misborn situation like that sounds very appealing to me combined that it's with an indie author that we know and love it's like what, what more do we need so it, bad yeah would you say it's got these like heist elements of mistborn in the sense of each character kind of bringing their own strengths to the crew and finding their own place within it that's something that sticks out to me about about yeah. mistborn Absolutely. Uh, you, you suddenly see it all come together. And the interesting thing is, at first, they just don't get along. It's, it's like your, your classic 80s movie where you get a group of underdogs together and they just struggle to get along. But slowly mm. but surely, they, they start to bond a little bit more. Um, one character in particular, Zihao, who's a bandit known as the Emerald Wind. He, he's just so defiant. He wants to just run away, but he realizes if he tries to run away, he dies. So his oh. hand is forced. And before you know it, he's just stuck in this fray and he becomes more and more invested with the characters that he's traveling with. And by the end, it's, it's heartbreaking when, when you actually get to the end of the book. Mm. Oh. Yeah, well, we love, yeah, we love a book that hits hard emotionally, especially I do. And Charles, <laughs> we're still trying to see if Charles is capable of crying from a fantasy book, yeah. if tears are capable. We've heard that, Charles has had tears enter the general vicinity of his eyes, but they've never <laughs> physically left his eyes. So uh, Ben, what do you think? Is it, and shout out to uh, the Fong of Ember Lane, who's uh, another fit Charles based uh, hashtag on <laughs> hashtag uh, uh, So everyone wants Charles to emote more. Law, do really, think, isn't it? Yeah. Do you think that this has a shot? If if we check this book out, let's say in India August or something, does this have a shot to be the book that finally makes tears leave Charles's eyes? So do, do you remember when that campaign first started and you, you were asking for book recs? I, I did recommend this book. Oh, okay. <laughs> I yeah. nearly cried. Charles, um, <laughs> I don't know. Does he even cry when chopping onions? Is that a thing? Does it happen? Sometimes. <laughs> Does he wear goggles? But no, um, I think potentially it could get him invested in the characters. He, he just needs the right character to be invested in. And this book could do that for him. That's what, and guys, this is what happens when you let your co-host manage the social media for a while. <laughs> all these hashtags kind of get, all these campaigns start going against you. But uh, I love it all, and this was one that was recommended. Yes, even by Benjamin back in the day. Benjamin's been recommending books to us for a long time, and I do. You know, this you one. Any of them? <laughs> have we read any of them i don't know <laughs> we're working on it it's we don't read as fast as you if we read at your pace benjamin we would have read them all by now <laughs> that's the sad thing but uh yeah it's true we'll get there and it will be a glorious day when we do and, uh, and until then we just have so many good books to look forward to right Dylan? yes we do charles and <laughs> It sounds, it sounds like Rob Hayes' work there, a great one for hashtag Indie August. A lot of, this, Charles, this episode will drop, what, like very early Monday. August. So, so today's Friday. Yeah. So yeah, it'll drop very early very August. Very early August. <laughs> the so second. Hopefully folks looking to join in on the hashtag Indie August that Ben's running, definitely a 
good idea to check out Rob Hayes's work and appreciate the the recommendation, Ben. Definitely. And um, even the second book is a standalone as well. Um, and I, I'm actually going to be reading a few of his other works for Indie August mm. as well. Uh, I can't wait to see what happens with those. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah, he seems yeah. like a really prolific, talented guy. So I'm super happy to that he's that these books come recommended from you, Benjamin. Yeah, definitely. He he's just one of those authors who, as you read, he just gets better and better. Mm. That's, that's what we love to see. That's high praise coming from someone who, out of the gate, was like really well received. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's hear some more, Benjamin. I can already feel like the TBR like looming over me <laughs> i'm so i'm excited but also afraid of like <laughs> the burdens and which <laughs> why are you afraid Charles? i'm afraid that the book's gonna be so good and then it's gonna be like why aren't you reading it and then it's gonna be like i want to and it's gonna be all thing <laughs> we do a lot of that <laughs> how many passive aggressive emails do you think I, I have time to send you really <laughs> I think you're bordering on aggressive emails at this point. <laughs> I think you've moved past passive-aggressive and well, reached the next stage. Thankfully, you've kind of moved me into aggressive gifts, and that, that just seems like an easier way to do it, Dylan. Yeah, I feel like yes. it leaves passive-aggressive stage when there's a change.org position, uh, petition <laughs> in your name. <laughs> it's like, yeah. that's, that's not passive, that's very direct. <laughs> <laughs> got some big signatures on that one too i saw lord grumpy dark wrote something on wow. there oh yeah yeah wow. i mean still trying to figure out who that is another hashtag campaign and hashtag mm. who is lgd we have our suspicions uh could be you ben for all we know signing your it own petition me. he's not free of suspicion <laughs> no, I, I, I need to clarify <laughs> I, I cannot neither answer that or deny it <laughs> that's you you're on our suspects list we we have a short list <sighs> And uh, you're on it, Benjamin. I was definitely on that. Usual I was going to call that. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I was going to call that pleading the fifth. Uh, but does that translate over across the pond? Pleading the fifth is like <laughs> probably into amendment. something. <laughs> I'm okay. not that um, hey. <laughs> educated in law. I'm afraid <laughs> <laughs> it's an expression. <laughs> I, I, I understand the expression. <laughs> I, I've watched enough. Uh, CSI and NCIS to uh, understand go. that. Nice. Because <laughs> I don't understand any of the British expressions. Like whenever I'm communicating with you and other British <laughs> folks on Twitter, I'm always just like, what is going on here? Like, <laughs> Y'all have such interesting uh, ways of phrasing. Idioms. Things, right? Some of which yes. are idioms. Idioms. Thank you, Charles. Mm -hmm. <laughs> is that Sam and the Gwyn brothers uh, confusing you a little bit? <laughs> Sam, yes. the Gwyn brothers, uh, uh, Peter the Swordsmith, uh, all those guys coming on and uh, enlightening us. And although Benjamin uh, may not be so well-versed in law, he is well-versed in fantasy literature, and he is well-versed yeah. in FTF book recommendations. So let's combine nice the two. Draws. Thank you, guys. And let's Beautiful. hear that third book rec. We've had J-City by Fonda Lee and Pond's Gambit and the Mortal Technique series at large by Rob J. Hayes. What's coming in at the, our third book rec here? So coming in next is Wayward Pines by Blake Crouch. It's mm. a sci-fi thriller book. So it's a, a little bit different from the fantasy books you guys, you guys read, but I know that you got stuck in with, um, oh, what was it? Brandon Sanderson, you, you, you started reading Skyward, was it? Skyward, oh, that yeah. was me, yes. yeah. That was that Dylan. Was one yeah. of those, 
That was when those Dylan goes off book and then <laughs> slightly annoys Charles until Charles realizes I still got the other stuff done. <laughs> but uh, yes, love Skyward. And we've read some other sci-fi on here. Murderbot. We had uh, oh, yeah, of course. Sarah and Lily from Fiction Fans come on to chat about Artifact that. Space. And, uh, Artifact Space by the wonderful Christian Cameron. That's under <laughs> Miles Cameron. So we do, we do delve into the sci-fi there, Ben. And if I'm remembering correctly, you, so I chatted with Ben before this about his recommendations, so they're not a surprise to me, you know, they're a surprise to you, Charles. And I believe this is when you said that Charles would particularly enjoy. Ooh, if I'm, I'm listening. Correctly. Definitely. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's a book which has um, slightly darker undertones. Uh, and I, I know Charles loves a dark book. <laughs> it's true. Okay. I can't deny. <laughs> yes. The word fun comes up whenever we're reading something really <laughs> gruesome in like a Joe Abercrombie novel. And Joe's like, this was really fun. And I'm like, fun? Like, <laughs> like I, I guess, like darkly twisted. <laughs> it's like, that's how Charles has, Charles has fun. <laughs> so you think this exactly. one, Charles would have a lot of fun? All, all the characters just have to be in complete peril, really, for Charles to enjoy it. Don't they? <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the series. <laughs> So uh, anyway, yeah, this is like a sci-fi thriller and you follow Ethan Palmer, who's uh, an FBI detective who wakes up in this town in his Wayward Pines. And it's got this Twin Peaks lost X-Files kind of Mm. vibe to it. Uh, And you're walking around and have you guys ever watched um, the British film Hot Fuzz? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're walking around this strange North American town and everyone's just so friendly and bubbly, but you can tell just something's off and he can't understand why he's here. They, they say that he's there because of a car crash, but is that really the truth? And slowly things take a darker, more sinister turn. Mm. And I've got to admit, Ethan Palmer as a protagonist, I hated him at first. He's so mm. arrogant and obnoxious. And um, we, we get some flashbacks like Lost where we find mm. out he's actually having an affair uh, with someone else and yeah so immediately I, I wasn't a big fan of him but when you follow someone who's trying to survive <laughs> things trying to kill him people trying to kill him you you, you become attached quickly mm-hmm. that's something we've always loved about certain characters it's like when we like the character like but not personally but as a character in a story like when we come around and see like oh this this character is like really well written. We love what he does for the story and all those things. We, Dylan and I especially, tend to appreciate those things quite a bit. Yeah. I think way back, Ben, you tagged Charles and I in a top five characters thing on Twitter. And when yes. I think back to who we each put, <laughs> I would say almost all of them are not people I would actually enjoy being friends with or being around, right? It's like, it, I mean, we're putting a lot of first law characters on there and stuff like that. These morally gray uh, and ambiguous characters, it's, those are the most interesting and intriguing ones. And the ones that are just these straightforward people, I was like, oh yeah, I'd love to hang out with this person, but I meet people all the time. I'd love to hang out with, but getting to know these really deep, intricate, complex characters who make decisions you might not make, but you can get into their motivations as to why they might make them, even Mm -hmm. if you wouldn't, that is the stuff that we really love. And sounds like this is a book that, brings that out with the main character 
Yeah, definitely. And yeah, that, that poll was quite funny as well because my mentality for doing that poll was if, if, if I wanted to hang out with these characters and go buy a beer and drink with them, who sure. would I choose? Or a cider, Ben. Cider. And, yeah, or cider. And <laughs> you guys obviously chose people who were torturers and uh, just not the <laughs> nicest folks to bump into in a dark <laughs> right. place. Really. Yeah. <laughs> That's <Yes>. too true. <laughs> <laughs> was I, I'm going back to Wayward Pines. That was that a TV show? Yeah, so it was. Um, huh. And my biggest gripe with it, I, I even managed to get my wife into um, Wayward Pines, and she's not really a big sci-fi fan. And yeah, th- they just took a few creative liberties with it and kind of moved away from the plot of the books. And I, I feel so pompous <laughs> saying <laughs> this, but. Mm. It is a case where I would say the books are far better than the TV show. Mm, I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think it's pompous. I, it's tough, especially when you read the books first. I had experience with this recently with Never Let Me Go, which is a fantastic book. And I, I got that off a Green Team podcast uh, uh, recommendation. And uh, I love the book. And then you check out the movie and you're like, this, like, this is not the message that the book was trying to send. You're kind of attached to it and they have way less time to really get you invested. It sounds like Wayward Pines is like, uh, is really focused on getting you involved in that particular character and his mindset. And it's so much harder, it's so much easier to do that in a book format than it is where you're like in the narrative than it is to do that on the screen, I feel like. Hmm. Uh, And the the thing is, the first book is, pretty much exposition but Blake Crouch is just so good at throwing hooks in and mysteries for you to go I want to solve this I want to find out what happens so you turn the next page but the 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 next few books in the series just run wild it's sheer chaos and carnage (laughs) and again that's just something I feel like you two would absolutely love (laughs) Mm. yeah I I I get easily pulled in by the hooks too I, I love a good like story full of twists and turns and hooks and things and it sounds like um this series does that really well another thing of note of the tv show is that like one of the producers and then also like directed a few episodes was M. Night Shyamalan, the famous movie director. Yes. Ooh, so, speaking I, of twists. Speaking of twists. <laughs> 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 absolutely. And that's a great seg, Dylan. And I've, I don't know. I, I feel like even to get someone's endorsement, like to get attention from these like big Hollywood guys, uh, the, that this source material got their attention was like, this needs to be a TV show like on primetime on Fox. It's like, that's a, that's a huge uh, endorsement right there. Although M. Night Shyamalan, not famous for adapting beloved (laughs) fantasy works, but, you know, (laughs) he is still a fantastic uh, movie maker and he loves twists and turns and things as much as I do. So I think we'll hate him. He's kind of like Marmite, isn't he? (laughs) (laughs) That's very well said. Is that a British term which has made it across the pond? Yes. Marmite, Vegemite, if you're in Australia. We're familiar with some of the different (laughs) food spreads out there in the world. (laughs) yeah i had some vegemite i was in australia jeez i don't know not in front of our uk friend dylan (laughs) sorry sorry i shouldn't talk about vegemite it wasn't good it wasn't good okay okay i was like i was like get me in the uk over here i need some of that uk delicacy notorious for our delicacies and some of our books too that's right (laughs) yes 
Well, do you have a delicious, uh, what were we, fourth book we're... on tap for us here, Ben? <laughs> I'm wondering if you guys are going to actually be able to guess this one because it, it's a book series that I just continuously tweet about um, mm. to the point where I'm borderline obsessed with it. Uh, it's, it's something I read at the beginning of lockdown and f- from the get-go, it was just a book I could escape into from the end of the world happening outside during the pandemic and that's the dresden files by jim butcher oh yes yes you have been preaching the dresden files for a long time charles and i have both read the first book in the dresden files and have uh, yet to pick up the second i know they're pretty quick like you can go through them but uh, yeah tell tell us more uh, because i think dresden's such a such a big series how you would know this better than me. How many books are in the series out so far? So there's 17 books in the series wow. and two anthology books. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So Prolific. we're, yeah. And basically I imagine Ben, two people who've only read one book each. You're like, you don't actually get Dresden yet. I'm assuming. And yeah, uh, totally. yeah. Tell us more so we can start to get a sense of why this is uh, a book that we're kind of sleeping on or a series that we're sleeping on a, li- a little bit more than we'd like to. So it's, it's, it's one of those series where you can tell the author has just put so much of their own character into the story uh, and so much passion and enthusiasm. And Jim Butcher just has this zany way of mishmashing um, supernatural elements with urban fantasy um, and then he also throws in this pulp noir detective kind of vibe to it. And it's just something completely its own. It's, it's, it's a book series which just has its own entire genre. And it's so strange to read through. But the more you read it, the, the more you get attached to the characters. You start understanding about this lore. And something which started out as a professional private detective wizard um, solving crimes, you know, for, for hire for relatively cheap money. Um, <laughs> just grows into this huge epic fantasy world mm. where pretty much every single kind of law and um, religious theological influence is put into the books. Wow. And right. That's the point you want to get to with it. Yeah. And so many of our peers have, have gone into great depth with the Dresden files. I know our friends over at Phantology have covered a lot of their books in depth and, and so many mm-hmm. other uh, podcasters out there cite this as one of their favorite series. But another, it's like when you have a series this expansive and when you have a series this well-loved, you sometimes get differing opinions on like the reading approach. And I know like we recently had this in-depth conversation with fiction fans about Terry Pratchett's Discworld of like, oh, well, you shouldn't start with the first one or you should read these before you get a real sense of like if you like the series or not. So I guess, Benjamin, as our like resident uh, Dresden Files expert here, do you recommend just like picking up where we left off and just reading through like publication order or are there certain books that stand out that we can just jump into? Like, how do you recommend us continuing to digest Dresden Files? It's, it's, it's one of those funny ones because some people tag out be, because of certain elements maybe in, mm-hmm. in a couple of the books. Mm. And what people tend to forget is this book to me seems to be really highly inspired by things like Buffy and Angel um, in yeah. the 90s and noughties when 
unfortunately on TV, sex sells. So, <laughs> you, you know, there, there was that concern about the male gaze. But if you look past that, mm-hmm. there's some very clever writing. Uh, the character development is great. And it's just something you have to kind of soldier on with the first few books. Um, it's kind of like the Wheel of Time in that aspect where people say you've got to read a few of them before you really get attached to the characters. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the same here. But for, for me, it was so easy because we're, we're following a first-person perspective of uh, Harry Dresden. And to be inside his mind is just an absolute delight sometimes <laughs> uh, when, when you see him confronting villains. And, you know, he he's just so... Uh, creepy with what he says yeah there's the what one of my i read this years ago so one of the things that like i stuck with me all this time was i do remember that it was like rather clever and funny that it kind of was like woven yeah. throughout the whole story and there were just some more cheeky characters and things like that and and i mean dylan i love a book with a good sense of humor especially when it can coexist with a like urban fantasy story like this or an actual like you know uh, services a greater story beyond just like a, a silly comedy it's like well it's also it's injecting humor into an otherwise like detective mystery fantasy like exciting story yeah absolutely and uh, some of that humor you're gonna love anyway because i, I know you love your star wars references <laughs> yes and there's plenty of those thrown in there by jim butcher he, he's not shy mm. about that <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah and i'm not shy about reminding people that charles does do a podcast <laughs> with our other lifelong friend derek called roger roger a star wars podcast in that's case right. you're a big fan of that but uh, that being said uh ben i I love the Dresden Files recommendation. It feels like one that we are, yeah, I use the phrase sleeping on. It's always felt that way to me is like we read one book of a 17 book series. And like you were saying, it takes a few to really get into it. And I, I feel like Jim Butcher to, to me is the face of urban fantasy. Like when oh, I think of urban fantasy, I immediately think of Jim Butcher, even having only read one of his books. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you said a genre to itself. And yeah, I, I do see him as the leader of that uh, almost movement. I'm sure there's all sorts of other folks writing amazing work in it, but I do think Jim Butcher first. Yeah, and I've got to admit, since uh, finishing the series, uh, that there's a bit of a hole left in me. And I, mm, I need to find I know that more feeling. urban fantasy to fill that void. Wow, it's like mm. one of the best compliments you can say about a series, really, is just like this idea that you have to like go on without it. Like it's done, you know? That's sad, but it's like, I'm sorry to hear that, but it's also high praise. <laughs> well, I, I want to clarify that the, the series still hasn't finished. Um, oh, I, I think last he checked, he, he wants to do 26 books. Um, hmm. that, that was the last count. <laughs> <laughs> so there's quite a few to burn through. And like you said, they're short books, so it's just, so sessionable and easy to burn through in a weekend so take your time with it is what i'd say to most people don't don't try and force yourself Mm. to read it all at once who does that right no one i know does that (laughs) (laughs) i hear you well ben i'll say there uh, there's a book series that i've heard of by uh, an author who who unfortunately recently passed named anton strout that i've heard his have you you heard of his series that gets compared a lot to dresden files i think it actually is another uh, like detective mystery urban fantasy series and i've I've heard great things about i haven't read it yet but it, it it begins with dead to me and it's like the simon i hope i'm saying this right simon candorous series uh have you heard of that one or gotten a chance to check that one out 
I've definitely heard about it. Um, yeah. I, I'm just, at the moment, my TBR schedule, because of all the polls I throw on Twitter... I've seen that. ...have yes. inundated me. And I, I didn't realise how much of a success it was going to be and how, how engaged people were going <laughs> to be with being involved with what I read. But it's just completely taken off. So I've got Indie yeah. August and I'm planning to read Paternus, uh, which is another urban fantasy series. I cannot wait to get around to that. Um, mm. But yeah, yes, it, that's it's a, looking like 2022 one. is going to be the next time I manage to take a big dip into urban fantasy books. That's Dirk Ashton. Is that yes. uh, Paternus? Yes, I've been another author who's fantastic, a self-published author who's fantastic on Twitter. That uh, that he's so engaging. Been he's great. Yes, <laughs> I believe he calls it epic urban fantasy, which to me yes. sounds like okay, that is a super cool subgenre if that's what we're calling it. And I really want to get into that. So Ben, let me know when you pick that book up, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll chat. See if. I can sneak in a, a read, uh, even if a read. Charles is oh, looking man. at me. I don't know if I can interfere yes. with Charles's schedule. <laughs> we all know about the FDF schedule, don't we? He's very good if I get the other stuff done still. That's always been the, you know, he's very, I don't want people to think of Charles as this cold-hearted, non-crying uh, person. Like he's a warm, gushy center that uh, just wants the success of the show. And um, he, yes, if he knows I'll get the other stuff done, he's, he is cool with it. A schedule that <laughs> we mutually agree to, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course, of course, yeah. Oh gosh. Well, I mean, the Dresden Files, no small undertaking, but you know, it's, it's certainly one that I feel like is one of those like big pillars of just classic big names in fantasy that we haven't fully addressed on Friends Talking Fantasy. So I'm glad that we got to bring you in and, and shine some light on Justin Files. I'd say it's underserved here on FTF. So I'm glad some listeners mm-hmm. got to hear some uh, well-earned praise for Jim Butcher's work there. And my, my only last question really sure. for you guys yeah. is, um, do you consider yourself a dog person or a cat person? <laughs> uh, mm. I'd have to say, if I'm going to answer for Dylan, Dylan's grown up with dogs his whole life. So I'd have to say he, he wouldn't say he's not a cat person, but he would also say he's a, uh, grown up with dogs and loves dogs. And I'm the same way. Yeah, Am I right, Dylan? Um, <laughs> yeah. There is you a certain also... character who comes up in the Dresden Files, which I think you two will love. <laughs> mouse i'm not gonna say any more than that it's, it's just when you're reading the dresden files it it's kind of unanimously agreed that when mouse is introduced things get really good Ooh. so you'll, you'll commonly nice. find yourself like going oh i've read this book on the dresden files and people will just comment has mouse appeared yet and, <laughs> that's but funny. that's when you know it turns and gets really good oh mouse. that's a great hook there ben You've got because now it kind of puts this thing in our head like oh now I got everybody see loves a wizard who's going to be saving puppies from a burning building. Mm. <laughs> That's a true hero. That a, yeah, <laughs> That's awesome. Wait, I, I got one more thing while we're on Dresden Files. I believe you said recently on Twitter that you believe Charles is similar to Bob the Skull. Is that accurate? <laughs> I and do remember Bob Dresden the Skull. <laughs> I, I need to clarify. Can you speak to that? Um, so Bob the Skull is obviously a spirit trapped inside a skull that assists mm-hmm. Harry with so many um, tasks during the Dresden Files series. He's a plethora of knowledge as well, but people don't realize just how powerful it is to possess Bob. And yeah, so from, from the perspective of uh, 
uh, be, being knowledgeable and intelligent and uh, coming oh. up with all these concoctions and plans. Yes. Um, <laughs> but obviously maybe not the sex crazed skull <laughs> that wants to break out and be a spirit and have orgies. That, 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 that is definitely not Charles. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, that's, maybe that's a third podcast thing to do. <laughs> yeah, the after dark uh, FTF show, maybe that. <laughs> wow, Charles. But uh, no. <laughs> I mean, he, he's, in a, he's an endearing... Ca- he's like, not denying it. He delivers a lot of the... When I kind of remember, and again, it's been years since I've read the Dresden Files, but what I do remember is that a lot of the like cheeky humor we're talking about was kind of delivered through Bob the Skull. So in that yeah. sense, I'm like, okay, like I like funny characters. I'll, I'll like that that like clever cheeky wit. I'll identify with, but <laughs> only so much you can identify with with a skull that's a, a bit debaucherous. It sounds like, or would would want to be if it had the option. <laughs> I, I think um you know just one of the great things about the Dresden Files is that there are points where it's just ridiculously absurd. Be it uh, fairy. <laughs> that are paid to do tasks for pizza um, and worship <laughs> Harry Dresden because he's like the pizza lord. Um, and then obviously Bob the Skull, who's like, yeah, Harry, I'll teach you how to make all these potions, but you need to get me some smut books. It's, 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 it's just so strange. <laughs> yeah. Well, we do and, love those series that just embrace the, the weird and the humor absurdity. and all the stuff. Uh, absurdity, yes. Uh, that All that stuff is, I mean, we're... we're reading kings of the wild i just finished my reread of that for this and that's a series that comes to mind as one that yeah. really embraces all the zaniness and weirdness and fun that you can have and just humor with the fantasy genre while still keeping the stakes and the tension and i feel like that's what i perceive dresden files as being like too mm-hmm. having only read one is like there's not a sacrifice of the ability for it to be serious and emotional oh there's just a a, a willingness to also get zany and silly and fun which is that's what real life is like right <laughs> yeah a hundred percent and um it, it goes one of two ways with fantasy books doesn't it you, you either have the very serious epic broad scale books you're like i need to focus mm-hmm. on every single detail something's going to be foreshadowed it's going to be yeah. huge and jim like butcher does time. yes <laughs> <laughs> but jim butcher does all that but he does it in such a light-hearted and fun way but it just does make the book so sessionable and it's just mm. great to read. And um, I, yeah. I don't know if you guys are a fan of audiobooks. I'm fairly certain um, you did an audiobook yes. episode recently, didn't you? Yes, we do love our audiobooks. And we've been that one recently. I, I was kind of uh, a little frustrated with that episode because there was Ooh. one person you did not mention. And that's <laughs> James Masters, who does the narration for the Dresden Files series. Ah. And I, I don't know if you know who he is, but he's actually the guy who played Spike in uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Huh. Oh. That's interesting. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, just I've only watched a little person. Buffy, but yeah, when I was younger. But it's, it's perfect cool. casting. He he does a tremendous mm. job with the audiobooks. Um maybe mm. it's worth giving those again. For sure. I mean, if without audiobooks, uh, I don't know if we'd be able to keep up our schedule. So <laughs> we we are big fans. So that is just further enticing. Does he read most of them? All of them? Um, he read all of them except wow. one initially. He, uh, there was a scheduling conflict. Um, hmm. Jim Butcher's done a little bit of stuff in some short stories as well. Uh, but fun. the one book he didn't read, the fans kind of rioted until he managed to create an audiobook for it. 
<laughs> so the sign of a great narrator. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> create riots by not showing up. It's uh <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, we love so much of the audio book that's even even though we frustrated you there ben uh so much of <laughs> to be so fair we didn't we read it so we didn't get yes. to recommend it <laughs> that's it that's it I, I totally get it. and there's plenty of other narrators out there who are worth shouting out for but yeah i, I think e- even if um you know the dresden files finishes and masters is after extra work in audiobook recordings i, I think he'll have a tremendous career in that that's awesome yeah Sounds like he captures the mood. I mean, you're talking about some of these inspirations from things like Buffy, and then you get an actor from Buffy to narrate, and it's like, okay, now we're now we're cooking here. It's just bang on, isn't it? Yep. That's awesome. Speaking of bang on, let's let's move Ooh. on to what is that's I'm a Bob sure. the Skull seg. <laughs> to what yeah right uh to what i'm <laughs> sure is going to be another uh fantastic recommendation here from benjamin at literature in lo-fi i'm fairly certain this is another one that i said to dylan uh charles might like it is mm. the it's called foundry side by robert jackson bennett foundry side so yeah. it's 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 a fantasy series which has this kind of steampunk um, almost kind of like alchemy, alchemy kind of vibe to it, and you, you follow a roguish character called Santia, mm-hmm. and she she's a thief. She's hired to steal a rare item from this uh, foundry, um, and when she gets this item back, it's a key, and it's actually sentient. Hmm. And sentient the story key? just goes from there. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know how you guys feel about um, sentient objects in fantasy. It's, it's, mm. it's a trope which is used quite heavily. But for, for me, as soon as you, you get that relationship between Clef, the key, and Santia, the thief, the, the book just mm. runs away. It, it's, it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Well, I've loved sentient objects when they're done in ways well i was gonna be like i love them when they're done in ways i love but one <laughs> author that comes to mind is brandon sanderson who's been able to do that with like swords and i don't want to spoil anything and get into too many details but i think s- are, are when you about done, to spoil um stormlight for me please don't. i would never ever spoil anything for you ben or our wonderful wonderful listeners and i i do really like that trope when it's done well i kind of like the idea of the like snarky objects i don't know if that if it fits into that at all maybe not if the main character is a rogue you don't want like necessarily two snarky people oh like mm-hmm. is it like a more of a uh, like chill object or is it a snarky one like what kind of elements do we get from this uh, sentient key here so if if clef was going to write a dating profile it would probably say snarky sassy mm. um and mysterious nice. Ooh, mm-hmm. yeah they um, might get a lot of hits on that dating profile. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, Sanjia and Clef really hit it off. Um, but there, there's some stuff with Sanjia as well where she's actually not able to really be intimate or, or touch or speak with other human beings because um, she, she's so socially distanced in some ways because of the condition she has. Um, which isn't COVID, just to clarify. It sounds like it is, but it's not. Um, and yeah, they, they slowly form this dynamic and they become 
a little bit of a dream team. I mean, a thief and a key mm. which can unlock anything. Oh, yeah. Suddenly All they that. become a duo people want to chase after, and that's where the story really explodes. And you, you spend a lot of time trying to figure out who are these people who are after Clef, and obviously Sancho is now involved in it, so she's deep in it. And it just goes from there. And eventually you also mm. get another Mistborn crew come together by nice. the end of the book. And that there's yeah. a lot of focus on the lore of the story as well. Um, because obviously this technology didn't come from nowhere. Cleft didn't come from nowhere. Mm. That's interesting. Mm. And the author too, Robert Jackson Bennett, that name was familiar. I, I Googled him. He also wrote City of Stairs. Have you read, um, have you read the Divine Cities, Benjamin, at all? No, not yet. It's on my list for 2022. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think I've probably got half my TBR done for the next year. Yeah, I've been voting on all those Charles polls. Schedule to shame. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by by far. I mean, our schedule is in shambles now. But it never. I never dare to go more than like two months into the. Yeah, it's mostly Joan's fault. To be fair, I wasn't gonna do you like that, Dylan. But uh, if you're gonna say it, I'm not gonna I'll deny do, it. I'll do me like that for sure. But uh, <laughs> there is gonna be a day where Charles just breaks down from trying to schedule something physically <laughs> impossible it just mentally exerts him but He's even at there. the height of my scheduling career i would never dare to go into 2022 so pure ad- admiration for you benjamin and city of stairs was one that has been like on the radar long before we ever started ftf of like this was one of those like like unusual like it was on um fantasy book you know best fantasy books that website we always used to frequent doing uh, in yes. our early days yeah. so city of stairs was one of the mm-hmm. ones where the, that guy was like don't sleep on the series like it's incredibly good and so i was like oh i was always like in the background so to see that he like i guess this book was city of stairs was 2014 and it seems like um the book you're running uh, foundry side the book you're recommending for us today was 2018 uh, I want to say yes, 18, 18 or 17. Yes, yeah, 18, because um, so. he's brought one out since then, and it's obviously going to be a trilogy, which he'll finish off. Nice. Um, and yeah, even the second book, it just gets darker. <laughs> and if, if, you've, if you like that kind of sci-fi, almost horror-esque kind of element mm. to a book, you're going to get mm. a lot of that in here. It gets a little bit gruesome at points. Um, mm. Yeah, and the stakes definitely get raised Wow, and I see nice. on the Goodreads, Brandon Sanderson wrote a huge review for him. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I just that guy can write a lot underrated. of words. I've noticed, and it's yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like surprise. It's like time to take a break from writing <laughs> thousand-page books. I'll go type up this huge review on Goodreads. So, I mean, good for him for putting it back into the community. But he said the short oh, yeah, version: Foundryside is the exciting beginning of a promising new epic fantasy series. Prepare for ancient mysteries, innovative magic, and heart-pounding heists. So that's mm. coming from Brandon Sanderson. Yeah, um, I, I, I think ben. yeah, and Ben recollect um, an episode. I, I can't remember which one it was, but you guys were talking about Final Fantasy Nine. Mm. <laughs> that that would definitely be me. Yes, as a, I think that was probably the. It might have been the 
books that changed our lives and then I started talking about a video game. <laughs> hey, if it got you into you know, fantasy, <laughs> I yeah, get it. Yeah, I wouldn't be here without that one. Yeah, so you are you saying this uh, has some Final Fantasy IX like elements to it? or I, I just couldn't shrug the feeling. that there, there, there was just this vibe I got from it. And um, one character in particular kind of reminded me of Steiner from Final Fantasy IX, oh. but a little bit darker. Um, <laughs> yes. So you have a character called Gregor Dandolo. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, his mother owns a foundry which produces all these great scribed artifacts, which is part of like the magic system, really. It's through all these objects and they can do crazy things um, and also work to do commands. But Gregor just, he, he carries this past where he, he was the only survivor of this war and he, he's rediscovered New York you don't find out until near the end of the book why he survived it. Mm. Mm. Mysterious backstory. The implication. Nice delivery at the end. (laughs) He's a dutiful soldier and he's Mm. got his conflictions. Um, Yeah, he just radiates Steiner for me. But I I, I can tell that, you know, Bennett probably rates him a little bit more handsome, um, a little bit more valiant. Um, But he's a Mm. great twist on the white knight trope. Love it. And you know what else comes to mind now that you're talking about Final Fantasy IX is Zidane in Final Fantasy IX is this roguish main character as well. Yes. And you've got a roguish main character in Foundry Side. And something that stuck out to me when you were first talking about it is the idea of a roguish character who's a woman, which I feel like is underrepresented in the, the genre. You, that archetype is... I'm not so sure about other that, one that because Lord, Lord Grumpy Dark just continuously reminds me about uh, Daughter of Flood and Fury, and there's a roguish female <laughs> character in that. That is true. <laughs> that is true, man. <laughs> yes, you do. You know, no one knows who Lord Grumpy Dark is. He could be among us now, any of us, except the, me, because it is in Lord Grumpy Dark's bio that uh, Lord Grumpy Dark is not my burner account. It's just mm. not Dylan's burner account, so it couldn't be me. But that being said, yes, there is a roguish character. I don't want to say her name for spoilery reasons. I know Levi Jacobs' author is like, doesn't know if he can even talk about that character. Um, but yes, another fantastic book with roguish, uh, a female roguish character. Another one that comes to mind is uh, for those participating in hashtag Indie August, you might want to check out uh, <laughs> the, uh, the Thief Who Pulled on Trouble's Braids by Michael McClung. I hope I'm saying his name right, who, which was a Spiffbo winner in like 2015, 2016, uh, mm. way back. So that's, oh, Spiffbo, for anyone who doesn't know, self-published fancy blog off Um that Mark Lawrence, friend of the show, Mark Lawrence, uh, <laughs> runs, uh, and that I'm a judge in right now for before we go blog. Uh, yeah, uh, now I'm like now I'm just like saying uh, people and Beth Tabler at Beth Tabler who runs before we go blog. <laughs> Follow her on Twitter. Hi Beth, if you're listening. Uh, what, what are we doing? Roguish female main character. Yes. yes. Sounds very interesting. Yes. And we're all very excited to get into it. That's Foundry Side by Robert Jackson Bennett and another fantastic wreck from Benjamin. And Benjamin, unless there's any more points you want to make about Foundry Side, we are eager to hear your sixth recommendation for the episode today. I mean, the, the only thing I could possibly add is uh, I know that uh, Dylan is a big fan of the lies of Lockwood Moore. Lies of what? True. That book takes a huge <laughs> Mediterranean kind of inspiration. And mm. I, I didn't realize it until the second book, but this book, um, well, the series for Foundry Side, that there's a lot of Italian culture inspiration in there. 
Mm. And it's just one of those little things you'll pick up. And everyone loves a rich culture. And before I just pictured it as a steampunk thing, almost a little bit futuristic, but actually it was kind of the opposite. Very yeah, cool, that's cool. cool. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a ton of, I mean, a, a roguish main character. We've got these sentient objects and this Mediterranean. I, I think Lies of Black Lamour is kind of, like uh, Venice is the inspiration for that one. Uh, so Charles yeah. wouldn't be able to be, yeah, Charles, oh, that's true. Yeah, well, anyway, uh, Charles wouldn't know anything about any of this, uh, <laughs> but it sounds like a great recommendation for fans of the lives of Locke Lamora and Final Fantasy Nine and Brandon Saracen approves. I mean, what more do you need over here? <laughs> Benjamin And of approves. course you, Ben. Yeah. Ben does approve, so... All right, that's an exciting one. I'm wondering, you got more here, Ben? You yeah, got more uh, I've got a couple more recommendations. Yeah. Um, let, let, let's um, talk about Across the Nightingale Floor next uh, by Leon Hun. It's, it's, it's the only book I've read in the Tales of Yatori series, but it, it's, again, another Eastern-influenced um, fantasy mm. novel set in like kind of a feudal Japan scenario. Mm. And we, we follow a lot of tropes in this story. Uh, <laughs> you, you name a trope, it's probably in here. Um, so you've got the orphaned village boy who um, is forced out of his village by a um, warmongering warlord. And mm. he gets found by a parental father's subgate figure, so to speak, subgate figure, um, and gets raised up slowly surely on a mm. crest to wreak vengeance on this warlord so oh, already nice. quite a few tropes as you can imagine <laughs> oh yeah well i'm hearing an orphan taken out of <laughs> yeah uh, a small town already like is it two rivers three rivers <laughs> shire he's maybe not a simple shepherd boy from two rivers unfortunately uh-huh. he's, he's not <laughs> who <there>. is <laughs> if there is one i haven't met him and uh so would you say it embraces the tropes or subverts the tropes what are we talking here <laughs> so this this is my point it, you, you'll get a lot of books which use tropes and unfortunately they just don't land but when they're done right it, it just becomes a memorable read and that's what you get with mm. this book um the majority of them are done right unfortunately there is one trope i didn't entirely enjoy in this book but mm. I, I, i'm selling this book to you right now i'm not going <laughs> to mention that <laughs> fair fair no i love a good epic tale and i've always loved like different kinds of asian settings i've loved uh, you know poppy war was based so firmly in like um chinese mythology and history and storytelling and i can think of so many other books that i've had a particular affinity towards that share that same inspiration so the fact that you're coming at me with like here's a like fantastic epic tale that embraces all of these classic fantasy isms and does a great job doing it i'm like well <laughs> sold for me and i i know how much uh, fun you guys had um with the outing for the poppy war mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. It, this falls into kind of similar territory really you know did the, the, the atmosphere for this is a little less ya in my opinion um it's a little bit more dark Mm-hmm. Um, that there's definitely some moments in this, you know, that there's a few triggers in this book as well for some mm-hmm. people. Uh, but again, the author's pretty clever with how they work around it. Mm. Would you say it feels grimdark? I know you've you've delved into some pretty grimdark work at, at this point, 
Ben, do you feel like this would fall into that category? No, I, I wouldn't. Um, it's, it's almost for me, simply, I, I want to say it's like historical fantasy, but maybe alternative historical fantasy mm. is probably the best way to put it. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't put it in the grim, dark tone, but there's definitely, like I said, there's just mm. darker moments which really gotcha. amplify the mm. drama. Yeah, one of the books I have recommended on the show before that's like, you know, Asian studying, almost like a historical kind of way it's told, but it's pure fiction is Under Heaven by Guy Gavril Kay. I love yes. that story. So uh, have you read? Are you familiar with that one, Benjamin? Yes, I've heard of it. Still haven't read it. It's on my TBR. <laughs> There's yeah. so many things on this TBR. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's Under, Heaven's, Under Heaven's really yeah. good. Really great prose in that one, too. But um yeah, it embraces some tropes, but I think, you know, Guy Gavril K, he does his research and then he's like so into the setting and the character and the, and the time period that that mm-hmm. takes the focal more than any like fantasy trope that he's trying to embody. Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure how direct the comparison is based on your pitch, but I mean, just the fact that, you know, I, again, I was talking about how much I love like Asian settings in fantasy novels. Like I loved Under Heaven. Another one is Master Lee and Number Ten Ox that I always promote, but that's yes. more of like a humorous one. But again, that's another one that I've always loved. So like I, I'm a big fan already. I love how we're just exca- basically exchanging all these recommendations <laughs> right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, now I'm thinking about two because we're just talking about the Mediterranean stuff. I. Tigana. <laughs> yeah, Tigana. Tigana is another great recommendation. That's also Guy Gabriel Kay, who just captures a mood and a setting and such beautiful prose that grounds you in that story. And uh, it's, I haven't read Under Heaven yet, but Tigana is definitely my go to recommendation when it comes to Guy Gabriel Kay's work. So for folks who, yeah. Um, Are there stories, uh, Benjamin, like Across the Nightingale Floor that? that draw some parallels for you like is there like if you like this then you'd like to cross the nightingale floor yeah definitely so for, for me it embodies quite a bit of um again mistborn <laughs> i keep coming back to it but hey we love it, it is. Wow. Um, so without giving away too many spoilers um takio the, the main character discovers that he has magical abilities and his new father figure goes oh great we can use you to assassinate the warlord and <laughs> mm. in order to do this they, they need to team up with a few other people and it's, it's it's almost like an infiltration story more than anything um it takes a few more interesting turns compared to mistborn in my opinion but there's um a few plot twists. so even like it sounds almost wow. like pawn's gambit kind of is this like assassination yeah. with like mm. There's definitely that similar essence to Rob J. Hayes and what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and also for me, uh, I'm a big fan of the historical fiction book, um, The Romance of the Three Kingdoms, mm-hmm. um, which you probably know through video games like Dynasty Warriors. That was the basis yeah. material for that. Interesting. I didn't know Dynasty Warriors had um, had a base material. That's interesting. Oh, yeah, it's, it's huge. And uh, when I discovered that book, I, I just read it from beginning to end. And if you think there's a lot of characters in the Wheel of Time, read The Romance of the Three Kingdoms. You won't be moaning about Aes Sedai names. Well, wow. Really? Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, sounds like a decent recommendation then for folks who are fans of these sprawling tons of character. I think of uh, Malazan, which I think is supposed to be said 
Malazan by Steven Erickson is another one. I can never get that right. Cast of, it's so hard. Uh, I want to say Malazan. So we need badly. someone to come on the show that knows and can say it for us. We got to get Phantology back. So, so is it Malazan? Malazan? It's a hard. I'm just going to lean into it, no matter what. At some point, yeah. At some point, you just got to commit, I guess. And anyway another sprawling epic so sounds with tons and tons of characters and some people really get into that as a point of particular interest is trying to track and follow all these characters across a giant cast and giant setting and sounds like this gives you that chance well yeah so across the nightingale for doesn't really embody so much the, a large cast as such but oh, there okay. are quite a few mysterious characters who come up mm. and what I particularly love about the romance of the three kingdoms is um, it almost ironically romanticizes a certain period in Chinese history. <laughs> and you, mm. you kind of get the same thing here with this book. And the atmosphere of this world is just next to none. Um, <laughs> it, it just has this mood about it as you're reading it and a very bittersweet ending. And mm. it, yeah, I, I was just really interested in the characters and, and the, the female characters in this as well are so strong. Um, and nice. that's something I've noticed about a lot of Eastern inspired fantasy books is they always have strong female characters. So is this a standalone book? Then? Oh, no, it's a it's a trilogy. No, it's right? the beginning of a series. Only read the I, first I think there's one, about right, right, five right. books in this um, series. So I, I plan to read a lot more of them next year. I'm trying to get people to get me to read it this year. I keep throwing <laughs> it in polls, but they keep uh, rejecting it. <laughs> wow. But maybe that's my fault for throwing it in against things like First Law. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it's never going to be that problem, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, mostly hits. those end up being popularity contests for the books. You just end up reading the the biggest one, unless there's a particular like fan base that you've uh, accumulated. You know, I know sure Dresden probably wins no matter what you put it against. <laughs> I would guess with the folks that you have uh, following you, but I don't know. I think it was no? Stormlight recently, which just oh, that's tough. To dominated Stormlight. Yeah, everything. Yeah. I, I can't Sanderson. Put, uh, yeah. Yeah, I can't put a single Sanderson poll up because I just know he's going to win it hands down. <laughs> you do yeah. all just Sanderson and then let people <laughs> pick from there. Then you'll be set. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, Stormlight's been on my TBR for as long as Lies of Locke Lamora has, basically. <laughs> but <laughs> it's a big one. But um, speaking of what's on my TBR, Benjamin, we were six books deep. Uh, do you have more for us? I mean, we can. You're. We would love to hear anything you've got for us. Yeah, sure. So my my final recommendation for you is uh, "The Name of the Wind" by Patrick Rothfuss. Ah, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. It's the more by Scott. Come on. I was like, where? Like, I know you guys were colluding beforehand. I'm like, what's yeah. the fallout from this? <laughs> <laughs> I need yes. to um, just go back to one of the first episodes you guys ever had. And it was a Friends Pitching Fantasy book yeah. um, episode. And I just remember Dylan pouring his heart and soul into trying to get you to read this book. Every bit of it. <laughs> and I just finished um, all of the Gentleman Bastard series at that point, or, or to where we are mm. currently. And it just broke my heart because I could just see how dejected Dylan was when you rejected it, Charles. 
Oh hurt. man, it hurt my soul. Oh I man, yeah. It I was so, so hard though, because it was between that and um, Name of the Wind, right? That was back in the day where we were choosing between. Yeah, that was the callback Ben was making. <laughs> uh, so I was like, dude, you're gonna make me choose between Lies of Lock Lamora and uh, the Name of the Wind. That was very hard for me to choose too. Like, it was not easy. <laughs> Dylan and did went for a time. second time. Uh, <laughs> again, yeah. Charles rejected so, it. <laughs> he, yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, I pitched it twice. It's so the thing is, it people haven't seen the last decade before we even started Friends Talking Fantasy of me pitching the Lies of Locke Lamora to Charles and also the Name of the Wind. But at least that one I got him to read early on in the in the show. So it's like there's all this pent up energy for me around those two series as two of my favorites. And finally, name the wind we we read now we're in, like he's in it. He's in the conversations, all stuff. Yeah. And then there's just the white whale for both of us. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> and Charles has read Moby Dick, I think, so he can actually get that reference. Call me Ishmael. Uh, <laughs> with a harpoon. <laughs> yes, and we, you and I, Ben. Yes. I, I mean, people have probably heard me pitch it if they've listened to the last two times I have. So I'll definitely give you the floor and your recommendations to give Charles what you got around this. Why is it time that Charles reads? For the record, I've heard Benjamin's pitches and I love them <laughs> and I do want to read it. This is more for the benefit of the listeners to get Benjamin's take on why Lies of Locke Lamora is such a strong yes. recommendation for a fantasy reader. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, listeners, um, my, my pitch for the lies of Locke Lamora, which Charles hasn't read yet, <laughs> is no, 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 no. It, it, it is a great book. Um, it is one of those which is quite a slow burner at first, and the the only thing which really kept me reading it so much was the characters, um, the gentlemen bastards themselves. This group of thieves who all yeah. come together and work to con people. It's 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 not a typical thievery story. It's all about con artist work um, and the long game, and mm. it, it just builds and builds and just steadily trickles on by. And then midway through, there was just a moment which mm -hmm. blew my mind, and everything gets turned on its head. Mm -hmm. And it was at that point I was like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> I, I need to keep finishing this um, uh, and then get, move on to the next one. But yeah, Jean and Locke in particular, the, the two mm -hmm. kind of main characters in the series who have this wonderful dynamic if you keep reading the books, um, probably one of the best friendships in fantasy. I'd say it's yeah. up there with Sanchia and Clef for me, that they're kind of like the two best duos in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, they have to face completely impossible odds you know you know they're, they're just simple street thieves and the, the villain in this book is just so powerful in comparison wow and how, how do you beat that it's <laughs> well you said the c word for us which is characters <laughs> we're very character driven here on the ftf podcast and uh we are huge <laughs> fans i mean Character focus is one of the things that we prioritize over everything else. So the fact that you came in right away with being like, dude, it's the characters that sell the story is like all we need to hear. I mean, I even did um kind of like a buddy recommendation exchange swap read with um Sarah from Fiction Fans. So mm -hmm. she picked up The Lies of Locke Lamora and I read Good Omens. And mm -hmm. 
even she, while she wasn't entirely invested in the book, um, she said the world building was one of her favourite things about it. It's just mm. so luxurious, so exotic, and she just loved the banter between the characters as well. I hope uh, she doesn't mind me paraphrasing her. <laughs> I'm not taking her words out of context, I hope. Mm. I remember, no, I remember her review. Yeah, she loved the world building, and uh, I, I remember... Yeah, some ambivalence about it uh, from her. I think she was saying that the expectations were up so, 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 yeah. so high from all the buildup. And it is something I worry a little bit about with Charles here. After yeah, but I also know Sarah's it. personal preferences are, um, she, uh, she, you know, w- w- she likes a different kind of story, I find sometimes. Like some of the books that I love, she's like, I thought those were good, but I love these even more. So I'm like, okay, well, the fact that she still liked it, even though we are like our favorite books don't overlap. It gives me plenty of hope. <laughs> I, I came to enroll Charles into reading lies a lot more. Instead, I, I involved Sarah. She, she was all for it. She was like, oh, I'm you sure you've... The subtext, Charles, the subtext of this conversation, uh, I'm trying to use my psychology knowledge here is, hey, look at how other people listen when recommendations you know what's funny i I think benjamin has sold uh, several copies of this book already (laughs) (laughs) i mean you are my Everest, charles if if i can conquer you i can conquer anything Uh, but i feel like you know there's nowhere else for me to go after that i'm afraid also dylan there's a psychology thing of like uh there's there's nothing left you? of my public narrative yeah. after this. There's nothing left to work towards after after. You'll this have one. to cry. You'll have to cry. <laughs> That's have the to last thing cry. left. <laughs> yes. and, and then even if Charles, we have to poke you'll him, have to, <laughs> you'll have to confront your emotional vulnerable side next because that. Once you read Lock Lamora, the number one thing will be getting you to cry. And maybe that's the resistance. Right. What's that uh, Alexander the Great quote where it was like, and then he wept for there were no more books to ignore to ignore reading <laughs> from the film. I, mean, <laughs> I, I genuinely have listened to quite a few of the podcasts. And every time we kind of meet, you know, mention uh, the lies of Lock Lamora, Charles goes silent for a second. <laughs> I'm just like, who hurt you? Who's done damage to you that you want to just deprive yourself of reading this author? I think I must have heard it. We want to help you, Charles. I've been trying, Ben. I mean, it's like, I've been trying really hard. It was what I probably read those books in like the early 2010s. I mean, like 20, uh, I think, uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, But either way, do you know when it came out? trying to remember because i i didn't read it like on release but not it's been out for quite a while yeah it's oh 2006 so it was like it was substantially later than that but as soon as i read it i was like charles dude this is exactly up our alley the dialogue the banter the friendship the humor the characters the just the plotting is really intricate complex fun all this stuff and there's twisted elements that you would love too charles and i'm like I don't know. Some, yeah. some part well, of it. Well, I, I can explain. Ready. I can explain. Back in 2006 and up until we started FTF, I had this idea in my head. I was like, I'm not going to start a series that's not finished. And this is one of those series that falls in line with some of them, like uh, Song of Ice and Fire and like Patrick Rothfuss series. Of Ice and Fire, 
But here's I'm getting here, right? And you, you I read that <laughs> I read Song yeah, of Ice and Fire. Unless he wants no, to. I read a Song of Ice and Fire, and I was like, "When's that last book coming out?" And I was so hungry for it, and I'm like, "I'm not starting another series that's not finished." And that's also why I never picked up Wise Man's uh, Name of the Wind because I knew that was another situation, and that's why also why I never picked up Lies of Lock Lamora. Then we started FTF, and I have since like. Changed my opinion. Changed my uh, opinion on not starting books before they're finished. If the book's good, read it and don't worry about when the next one's coming out. Right. That so that opinion has changed. But now that we are in an FTF exists now, my reading schedule is just dominated by what we're reading for what's next on the show. So it's like I. That's why I got to read uh, which you Name have of no the control Wind over, right, Charles. I have half the control <laughs> over it. Half. <laughs> Have. And of course, now we have to read Wheel of Time and all of Abercrombie's work. But after August, I'm being truthful. Uh, <laughs> go for it. I Give it to, to me. I can take it. Pitching fantasy sometimes, and I, I was just like, "Why are you pitching the whole entire series? That's going to take you forever <laughs> to read." It's like, so that, yeah, you're yeah, never going to be pitching Dresden Files. <laughs> okay, okay, just that's on me, book. Ben. <laughs> I think back when we were doing those early ones, we always pitched i don't know that might not even be true i think at times i have pitched i think that's just a dylan mistake is i'm like an all or nothing kind of person so i'm like if i'm in for this i'm gonna pitch the whole series because i do love the whole series i think the strongest one and let's be honest here us reading abercrombie has been such a awesome fun thing for the channel i'm sure reading lakamora will be too but abercrombie we've done so much great stuff with and now that wisdom of crowds is dropping in september we're going to be all caught up and ready so i'm super exciting for that and after that is done and we can you know look Mm. around and see what other books are out there for us to read uh, you know lies of black lamora it's on the short list it always has been (laughs) for the last decade (laughs) <laughs> for the last like it's a, couple it's months a long, it's a very long short list i purposely haven't read it up until ftf because it wasn't finished just like i put off patrick rothfuss mm-hmm. but now you know i've read patrick rothfuss i hadn't even finished abercrombie dude i had only read the um the trilogy so yeah, i remember so no, there was best serve cold too. i did pick up best serve cold and then stop so it's like hey i had to you know, the show has me reading a lot more, and you know, there's just things we've now had to to work towards. But no, Lies of Lacklamora is one that the buddy duos, the banter, the um, the atypical setting in which it takes place, it all sticks out for me. And like, I wouldn't worry too much about it being overblown. Like, I- I'm ready to fully embrace it it's just a matter of how and dylan and i as i said off air to benjamin before we started so he wouldn't come in here too hot was like we are talking about ways to make like like because we can't just do fpf with with uh with uh liza Lamora. so we got to find a, a way to bring it into yeah, the we show tried that a couple of times <laughs> I, I do remember before hopping on the podcast you were like don't hold back on that ben just, <laughs> i had to be like <laughs> i wanted to make yeah. you feel comfortable and giving me a hard time about now reading it because it's true and i do want to read it so <laughs> yeah it's gonna no, get to we the love you charles well then maybe that's good motivation to read it <laughs> but <laughs> yeah no we, we love you charles and it's all in good fun ben ben and i always 
<laughs> then checks in to make sure you're okay. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I'm like, did I hurt him? Did oh. I upset him? <laughs> yeah. No. See, like, that's he hasn't replied to me. Is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is the behind the scenes of Ben being like, you know, I do care about Charles, right? I'm like, yes, yes. He's having fun with it. Like, yeah, I love it. Worry, I actually you know. had to like become a. I had to create a Twitter account just so I could be like, I hear everybody. I'm loving it because Dylan's like, yeah, he's not reading it. I don't know why. It's horrible. And I'm like, I've got to come on here and like do image control for myself. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm like, Dylan's sending me screenshots of petitions. I'm like, I have to get in here. <laughs> I do remember that thing. You, you, you appeared on my Twitter feed. Was like, Hello, Benjamin. So um, let me just tell you about where I am with Lies of Locke Lamora. Yeah. Ben, can we bump that petition? Can we bump that petition oh, yeah, back totally into the mainstream here? I, yeah, we I, I think need to get that lovers, thing going. Um, was pushing it last I checked. You know, that, that's uh, another big name on there. So maybe wow, loyal from the Wheel loyal of Time. Lovers. The official yeah. local account. <laughs> And that the loyal lovers account is uh, undocumented as not being you, Ben. Is that is that true? Definitely not you. I can neither confirm nor deny that. Like, mm. like just like Lord Grumpy Dog, he may be hashtag who is loyal lovers. <laughs> I have my suspicions, as I do with all of these rogue accounts that have been popping up on our, on our Twitter shenanigans, which <laughs> you can catch. Rogue, yes, rogue in every sense of the word. <laughs> Speaking let's of rogues, Charles, let's not be let's not be hasty. Speaking of rogues, Charles, sounds like Lies of Locke Lamora as one of the premier stories about a rogue mm. is is on that very very long short list of yours, and could be on the very short short list of, of our many listeners. Yes, yes, indeed, I, it's an amazing book. I highly recommend it as someone who's never read it. <laughs> I, I keep joking with he Dylan. It's it. the book I've he talked about more. Than, it's the book I've talked about yes. the most without having read, and it's probably the book I've only book I've recommended without reading too. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you, if you love this, you'll probably love Lies of Lacamora, dude. Like, they, I, I just know, even though I've never cracked the cover. <laughs> but, it's just every so single pride. book that you guys read on this um, podcast. <laughs> I'm just like, if you like that, don't like Lies of Locke Lamora. That's true. Yeah, yeah. We definitely have a specific flavor that we tend towards. And we do read out of it sometimes. But it's like, man. And then every time I go and research these books, like Lies of Locke Lamora is always on the short list for recommendations for it. So I'm like, Mm. yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Maybe one day Scott Lynch will publish the next book. And uh, I will be looking forward to that day when that happens. That will be a huge moment for the fantasy community. Community. No rush, dropping though. The <laughs> Not dropping you know, the gauntlet. TBR just goes to hell at that point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You have You'll to have to break up your eight-year plan. Of <laughs> your it's like, Ben, do you have a five-year plan for your TBR? I think it was um, Mike from Music, Books, and NFL. He, he <laughs> uh, treated me recently. He was like, so uh, you plan 2025 yet, Ben? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Get in there. Yeah, I know. For things. <laughs> but, you know, Ben, you'll head. probably just, you know, read it in less than a week and have your review up on Goodreads and then back to schedule. You're like, your schedule won't even miss a beat, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, for sure. And uh, for anyone who isn't following Ben on Twitter, at Literature N, that's a letter N, Lo-Fi, mm-hmm. at Literature and Lo-Fi, they please 
please do yourself a favor and give him a follow. This guy is out there dropping like multiple reviews in the same day and all this kind of, and I, I, I'm like, I'm trying to get out there, Ben, and like retweet your stuff. And I'm like, I, I, I just retweeted something. He's back with another one. So I'm, I'm trying to keep track of all of it because you're writing such amazing and thorough reviews too. That's something I've, uh, I've noticed is you really put your all into these, oh, yeah. a lot of analysis. Because that's what of, baffles me. It's the fact, one, you're, you're awesome. reading so fast, but two, you're just delivering on, you know, you've got such a great insight into these books. So I'm like, maybe he's just like speed reading them or only reading the first three chapters or something. Like I'm trying to like figure out your secret, <laughs> but no, I it's... I did that with the blade itself. Don't go there. Benjamin, so, we had such a good thing. Going. <laughs> I don't think He's I can handle the, entire... the first Lord crowd coming after me. <laughs> they seem like the most dangerous people to anger. They're, they're complicated people, Ben. <laughs> uh, speaking as big first law fans, you, yeah. I don't know. It's uh that those that's for the psychologically minded, I think. Uh, <laughs> Joe Abercrombie has his, I think his bachelor's is in psychology. It is, yep. He's yeah, from across the pond like you. So I think, uh, yeah, don't want to mess with them. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I'm, I don't know. I'm thinking that it's, it's time Charles reads the lies of Locke Lamora. Uh, he's still looking all smug over there with no intention to do anything about this situation. <laughs> oh, well, uh, we need to have a conversation about when and how, <laughs> but I'm, I I'm down. myself I wouldn't beg. <laughs> you've been heard benjamin as i've said and we definitely are gonna read it yeah. it's just a matter of when and when that day comes you will return for sure because it just wouldn't yes. be a conversation about lies of lock lamora on the ftf podcast without benjamin from literature and lo-fi just wouldn't be yes because yeah no benjamin we love having you on we love communicating with you you've become such an important part of the of the spirit of our show and now we've got all these twitter shenanigans going on so definitely follow benjamin guys at literature and the letter n lo-fi l-o-f-i we'll put you know all the stuff in the episode description so you can check it out but follow him so you can keep up with these antics and also his yeah. prolific reviewing that he's got going on as we've mentioned multiple times already we're just i'm just so impressed i can't stop bringing it up so go check it out it you will not be remiss and then i'll also put the list of all the books and make sure you check out some of these like i've said someone who's read this much you gotta take note of these ones that he's highlighted for us today um anything else benjamin we've got to mention of what you've got going on now's the time i mean the only other thing to really mention at the moment and thank you so much <laughs> for your continuous support guys it, it does mean the world to our me. pleasure our pleasure Ben, ditto. I just love we, supporting we appreciate you your support. We, we've built up a wonderful <laughs> community on Twitter. And indeed, indeed. It's just mm. great. The best part yeah. of doing the show, Dylan, I've always said, is the community that we've been able to carve yeah. out on Twitter. So, and the, I mean, you were an early and strong part of that, Benjamin. So, yeah. yeah thank you. <laughs> no, it's. I mean, I, I said to you when we first asked you this, I. Uh, this one has felt like such a long time coming to a, doing a collaboration with you, Ben. We, we have so much gratitude for your support since, I mean, it, you are the lifelong friend of the podcast. <laughs> You've been supporting us since the way, way beginning. Uh, you've been helping uh, bring us up and we've 
we just yeah that was our first fpf which was within our first 10 episodes easy and it's we're at like this will be episode like almost 150 almost so it's like right it's a long way (laughs) well i just discovered your podcast and it was just so bingeable it was it was just so easy to listen to it helped me get through the mundane task of decorating uh pretty much every single room in my house painting as i was going along and also getting upset by uh what charles was saying (laughs) about lies of more but it's okay it's okay. I've got, I've got a it? thick skin. Well, if I can invoke any emotion in someone, I'll take it. You know, I'm happy that I could just <laughs> play I'll a part in your I, life. When I thought you were going to invite me to the podcast, I thought it was going to be uh, Charles Must Read Lies of Lock Lamore episode. <laughs> and I'm sorry for we slightly waiting that long. I, I was honestly, be Benjamin, decade, I was when, when we were talking on Twitter, you guys had mentioned that you had colluded beforehand. I was like, they're just going to come on here. And, and like, I was honestly with, I was with hesitation. If you couldn't, I'm like, so what's book number three, Benjamin? <laughs> it's like, I didn't know when the other shoe was going to drop. But no, this was, I love that you made him wait till the end. <laughs> Uh, yes <laughs> I wanted to make him feel as comfortable as possible before putting the rug underneath him well done I think you definitely. just let the tension build <laughs> <laughs> and made him more anxious oh, well, this... <laughs> waiting for the other shoe to drop because I was like he's not gonna not say it that just wouldn't be right <laughs> but guys I, I can't thank you enough for what you're doing in the community seriously you, oh. you, you, you say I'm, what I'm doing is great but no what you are doing is fantastic really you've, you've built something great here and I think it's just going to continue to build more momentum as we go on. Oh, wow. Well, Benjamin, thank you so much. We're looking forward to watching watching uh you continue to read into 2022 2023 so many great books you've got coming up and i feel um, like i'm reading into infinity really (laughs) there's always yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i mean the prolific that's the word that charles has been using and yeah you're i was going to call say you're like the brandon sanderson in reviews but we didn't (laughs) i guess brandon sanderson is a brandon sanderson in reviews because we were just reading one from him earlier that guy shows anybody up (laughs) i bet you've written him i bet you've written more reviews than him though by a probably a long shot you know he is writing it's it's, it's like community with brandon sanderson you know you you ask the guy to pass you the salt and pepper he gives you a bowl of soup Oh, that's Ben. Thank you for thank you for bringing up community. So I I almost it would have been a shame if we got through that because that was like one of the first things you and I bonded on. I I do feel like so many community gifts. I know, I know. We gotta get back to those. We've moved a little bit away. I've I've really shifted toward a more Taylor Swift uh, gif oriented presence. That's funny. Both Grumpy Dog shares Taylor Swift gifts a lot. It's I mean Ben. She's one of the biggest. She's one of the biggest artists in probably the biggest artist right now. Uh, uh, so it's not that big a coincidence that two people would just happen to share a joy <laughs> of this wonderful musician's work. So uh, I don't think that in any way indicates I am Lord Grumpy Dark and check that bio. I'm definitely not Lord Grumpy Dark. <laughs> so uh, you, Ben, though, seem to be shifting the blame. That being said, community gifts, we're going to get back on them. And speaking of community, this is why we do it man i do feel like we like grew up together in this community (laughs) and we have really like i don't know it's so cool forming these like friendships and bonds and then it's like there's uh formalizing it through this collaboration has been so 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 cool dude i can't even express it with my i have a lot of words and i still can't use them to express myself properly but uh ben thank you so much uh (laughs) 
Yeah, really appreciate it, dude. It's fantastic, honestly, to, to just be able to speak with you guys about everything, be it on Twitter, on one of these episodes. Who knows? Maybe one day the dream is like a Comic Con somewhere. That's the, the dream. Yes. That's the dream, isn't it? That's the next oh, yeah. stage. We've had goals. the squad we, goals. Yes, it yeah, was like for sure. email, Twitter. Now we're on a Zoom call. Hopefully, one day we will be in person. There's so many people that Definitely. we would love to meet. So soon, squad goals. Exactly right. <laughs> Hashtag squad goals. Hashtag squad you goals. You get that one trending there. Hashtag Indie August. For hash- <laughs> yeah, I know. So many hashtags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Benjamin make things ha- makes things happen over on Twitter, certainly. He does. <laughs> yeah. So, guys, thank you all for listening to book recommendations from Benjamin at Literature and Lo-Fi. Be sure to follow him on Twitter. And that way you can keep up with his Goodreads reviews, his reading schedule. You can vote on books you want him to read in 2023 or four at this point. Yeah, the votes are out there for you to to have your say on. So definitely check those out. And yeah, guys, I think we've done it. Benjamin, thank you so much for being on the show. Is there any last words you'd want to say before we wrap things up? No, it's been absolutely brilliant, guys. Um please support Indie August um, and all the uh, self-published authors mm. coming up. Um, I know that they do a lot of work behind the scenes to really get their books and content out there. And it'd just be a shame if we can't really acknowledge that. So it's, it's something that I'm really trying to push for this coming month. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. When we, I know we will be releasing content around hashtag Indie August as well in full support. Mm-hmm. So I think it's such a brilliant idea and a, a great time and, like so much interest already so definitely gonna check that out um dylan is there anything else that we should say before we uh we duck out of here i think it's time to get that sweet sweet outro music (laughs) pumping charles it's been an awesome time it's been an awesome time i'm sure it's been playing a little bit already i'll put it in post because uh i mean this is all about plugging ben's stuff so um we yeah go follow him on twitter Yep, follow him on Twitter. We'll put it in the description. Absolutely. Thank you all. (laughs) He's awesome. Yes, he's awesome. Thank you all so, so much for listening. (laughs) Benjamin, thank you for contributing these recommendations to the show. We will take them into uh, strong consideration. Thanks. Sorry, Ben. I can't, I can't help it. We're, we're, we're reading Lies of Black Lamora. Okay, we'll, we'll read it. I promise. Yes. It's just a matter of when. It's just a matter of when. But we're gonna read. Yeah, it. it's it's a matter. Okay, of when. okay. We'll take what we can get. Right and now. you'll be the first. You'll be the now. first to know. You'll be the first to know. So thank you and all for listening. We will have you back, Ben. Yeah, yeah. Benjamin will return. It's like the end of a Marvel movie. So Benjamin will return, and. Uh, and- <laughs> mind of villain in, in, our, in our Benjamin will return in Charles why have you still not read the Liza Wakamura episode something like that maybe hopefully a, a happier occasion but who knows you never know so with that being said guys thank you all so so much for listening and as always go forth and conquer friends <laughs>